When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Is Alabama a better job than Washington? That's what we're going to talk about, along with all the coaching moves that have transpired since Nick Saban surprisingly retired. And obviously, it had massive implications for the Big Ten and one of the Big Ten's newest members. And that's what we're so we're gonna talk about that. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. Also make sure to to leave reviews, leave comments. Uh, there's some comments I haven't gotten to in a while um, that I wanna make sure I get to later on. Uh, again, a shout out to uh, my, my Illini buddies, who uh blanking on your name right now, but you you uh, gave some pretty sweet feedback uh, on Spotify. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate the Illini fans. Appreciate all y'all. So make sure you keep this thing running. We're going to keep going because there is no off season in college football anymore. So we're going to keep dropping these podcasts. Special guest coming on Monday. Um, excited to have... Uh, a guest from Nebraska who's going to come and talk all things Nebraska football. Um, Justin Adams, uh, who uh, has appeared on the Big Ten Huddle. I believe he's also appeared on Mark Rogers, uh, the voice of college football. Excited to have him on the show. He's going to talk a lot about what's been going on with Matt Rule in Nebraska. So make sure you tune in. That'll be dropping hopefully Monday morning. But this is Thursday morning. And I want to put into context a few things. So last week, Nick Saban retires. You know, still don't know everything, but we know that Nick Saban is sticking around the program. And certainly had, I don't know if he had anything to do with the hire, but what transpired, I believe about 48 hours after the retirement, Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer left Washington to go to Alabama. Many at first, I think, saw it as a step up. Obviously, Alabama has won six national championships since 2009, right? So obviously has pedigree, tradition, all that stuff. Kalen DeBoer goes to Washington or goes to Alabama, leaves Washington. Since that has happened, they've lost a number of players to the transfer portal. Obviously, have had a lot of NFL declarations. The other 
piece of the puzzle puzzle here is that Jed Fish, the head coach of Arizona, now goes to Washington. So we're gonna we're gonna dissect a couple things here. The first thing that I want to talk about here is is leaving Washington where Kalen DeBoer had it. Is Alabama a better job? Now, I know what you're thinking. As soon as I ask that question, the immediate answer is, of course, yes, look at look at what Alabama's done. Look at what Alabama has accomplished. Look at what Alabama has recruited. Like, have you seen Washington recruit versus Alabama? And that's true. But I think we're starting to see the Saban effect, particularly in the transfer portal. Uh, as of recording, Caleb Downs has entered the transfer portal. Caden Proctor has entered the transfer portal. There have been a lot of NFL declarations. There's a lot more rumors of more Alabama players entering the transfer portal. And so it seems very clear that a lot of those players there were there for Nick Saban, maybe more than Alabama. Now, do I think Alabama is going to completely fall off? No, I don't think so. But it, it's the thing that I thought about as soon as Saban retired was how much of Alabama is actually, how recession proof is Alabama? And here's what I mean. There are some places where you get a bad coach and it completely wrecks your program. Michigan is, is a good example, right? You know, Jim Harbaugh just won a national championship. By the way, lots of smoke that he is on his way out, most likely to the LA Chargers. But we'll get to that when it's official. We'll talk about that. But at their best, national championship. At their worst, three and nine, right? Nebraska, Nebraska fans, oof, you, you know this, right? Bad coach, Bill Callahan, losing record. Uh, Bo Pelini, not great, but good. Consistent nine, 10 win seasons. And then Scott Frost, Mike Riley. It's all bad, right? And then there's other programs that are kind of recession proof. I think Ohio State is one of those programs, right? Because they have a great infrastructure. So like their worst coach in the past 40 years, arguably, is Earl Bruce. Uh, it's either Earl Bruce or... John Cooper. And like, it's so recession proof that we're talking about firing Ryan day with going 11 and two. And that that's a massive failure, right? It's a recession proof program. I, I think in many ways, I, like, I think Georgia has been that. I think Oklahoma to some extent has been that, you know, Texas has had a few, has had a few down years, but I think traditionally Texas. Um, but there are very, there are very few schools that are recession proof. If you make the wrong hire, uh, you have a, you, you still have a pretty high floor. I don't think Alabama is as recession proof as maybe we thought it was. Now, before I go any further, I don't think Kalen DeBoer is a bad hire. 
I, I actually think it's a great hire. I, I thought between him and Dan Lanning, I think I thought those are the two the two best names. You know, Dan Lanning, I think, was probably the best choice because he's coached in the SEC. He knows what it takes to win an SEC title as a coordinator. I think what he's building at Oregon is probably the biggest threat out of the the big four out of the, coming out of the West uh, as they enter the new look Big Ten. But Kalen DeBoer has won wherever he go, he's went. He went. He's won with a less talented roster, right? Like he beat. Um, I thought. I think a more talented Texas team in the Sugar Bowl. I think he beat Oregon twice, and they were probably a little less talented than Oregon. Like he just wins. So I I am not making the case that Kalen DeBoer is a bad hire. What I'm saying is that a lot of people may not be at Alabama because it's Bama. I think a lot of people were at Bama because Nick Saban was the coach. And that, that means something, right? Like that means, it means a lot, especially in this day and age where players can just kind of get up and leave. And so you're starting to see that while I think Alabama is a tradition rich program, obviously has, I think has the most national championships of any program in college football history. It's also relegated really to two head coaches who have unparalleled careers in Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. And then a lot of eh, right? Like Gene Stallings has a national championship to his name in 92. Everything else outside of Bear Bryant and Nick Saban is pre-poll era, right? So it's not a recession, it's not a recession-proof job. And as Kalen DeBoer is going there, he's leaving a roster that quite honestly was gonna have a lot of turnover, right? Penix, the receiver room. I think we've gotten to a point because DeBoer has left, maybe the entire offensive line, Trice on the defensive line uh, declared for the draft, a couple other defensive stars declared for the draft. So Washington and Washington doesn't have the talent, the roster that Alabama had and, and maybe still has to some degree. Like that's very clear, right? But he could have at least kept some of that intact if he stayed. And as he's going to Alabama, a lot of the key pieces that I think he probably counted on are now leaving, right? And and not only that, but key coaches are leaving. Now, apparently Saban's still going to be involved in some way, which, which leads me to believe that Part of Saban's leaving is there's probably some more urgency there for him personally than, I, and that's been speculated. So I don't I don't want to go further than that until it's 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 shared publicly. But the reality is, Kalen DeBoer probably thought he was leaving for a fully stocked, fully on board program. 
And instead, you've got a lot of transfers, you have coaches leaving, and you have schools that are taking advantage, right? Georgia is one of those schools. A lot of people think Georgia is going to get Caleb Downs. But then I think you have other schools, right? Iowa uh, is, I think, the leading favorite for Caden Proctor, which would be a massive boon for the Hawkeyes to get a five-star stud offensive tackle to lead that line as you're trying to remake your your whole offense, you know, getting a new offensive coordinator in there, that's a big deal. And so it, they Alabama is going to is getting picked over, their roster is getting picked over, not a lot of sign of of slowing down. Begs the question, did Kalen DeBoer make a mistake? leaving Washington for Alabama. And I I don't think it's as clear cut as people might say it is because Alabama, you know, if he's able to recruit and he's able to, to really maintain the infrastructure and build like he might, like it might be a better, uh, it might be a better job. I'm not sure he'll ever win a national title at Alabama. And that's, that's not anything against him. It's just, can he be a front runner? Can he get the snowball rolling so that it becomes the death machine that Nick Saban got it to be? Cause that the thing was, and you're seeing it with the transfer portal. Now when Nick Saban came to your door, you dropped everything and you listened because he, he wasn't just football coach. He was Nick Saban, right? It wasn't that Alabama's head coach was coming. It's that Nick Saban was coming. And while Kalen DeBoer, I think, can really show off, hey, look at what I did at Washington. Look at what I've done everywhere else I've gone. Look at how I've gotten guys in the NFL. That's going to matter. But he's also got some work to do to get momentum going. And I don't think people realize that another, another struggle that he's going to have and college football nerds brought this up. Others have, have brought this up. A lot of people have, a lot of players have taken essentially NIL pay cuts to get the opportunity to play under Saban. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. And if you look at Alabama, while they do have a rich alumni base, you, you don't have necessarily the wealthiest alumni base. And that's going to come, that, that's going to become problematic as long as we live in this NIL world. So now my hope is that the rules of NIL changes and it becomes more regulated because right now it still feels like the wild, wild west and I hate it. I mean, it just flies in the face of uh, flies in the face of what we all wanted in actually paying the players what they're due. This is not what this is. This is collectives and boosters buying players. That's not nil. That's that's fans basically paying for whoever they want to throw money at. That's not what this should be. Uh, it's what it, it's never what it was meant to be. But that's exactly what it's turned into. Lest I get into a rant about how bad the NCAA is, the NCAA stinks. Regulate the darn thing. 
That being said, you have to understand that because we live in the, this current NIL world, Alabama actually is playing at a disadvantage. Washington actually might have more of an advantage in the NIL landscape, right? They're in a major metropolitan area in Seattle. They're in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, which probably has more money. It's, you know, it's near California, which has more money. So if you have an alumni base that's, that's out in California, more than likely they, they have more access to funds, you know, in Alabama, you don't have nearly as many wealthy boosters and donors. Sure. You have many, you have many boosters and donors and all that stuff, but I'm just saying in terms of amount, I'm not sure that Alabama actually has the wealth to be able to continue to compete like they did under Nick Saban. And so I think it's very possible that as great of a coach Kalen DeBoer is, and I think he will punch above his weight from a talent perspective, right? Because he's proven that. He, he proved it this year with Washington. But I, I think you have to ask the question, would he have been better positioned to continue to build momentum at Washington if if he had stayed. Now I can understand from the other, other side of this, because even if he was able to keep a couple of his offensive linemen uh, from transferring, this was not going to be the same team and the same program as this year. Like the Huskies, you know, they've recruited well, you know, they're a top 25 caliber team, but just remember we're, we're, two, three years away or three years removed from Washington being one of the worst teams in the P five. I, I believe they, they lost to Montana state week one in 2021. So like, it's not like Washington has been a world beater. Kalen DeBoer did a lot to make them a really good program. Some of that was the transfer portal. Some of that was player development. Some of that is just, he's a darn good football coach. So I, it's hard to say. I, I think where they're positioned right now, depending on who leaves Alabama, I think you can make an argument that they are, I think Alabama's probably a little better, but I don't know how much longer that will last. And I think Kalen DeBoer, if he can, if he had stayed and built a, a greater foundation for the Huskies, I think they they easily could have surpassed Bama depending on who Bama got to replace Nick Saban. As it is, they got Kalen DeBoer. And I think he'll do he'll do well there. I think the the other obstacle for Kalen DeBoer and it's not going to matter as much in the national picture because we're going to the 12 team playoff, but it's that you are very much at a disadvantage right now going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kirby Smart. Because Kirby Smart has the talent edge. He's probably as good of an X's and O's coach, has built a really good staff, and now he's got all the momentum because he's keeping his roster intact for the most part, whereas Kalen DeBoer's got a scramble.
and let's not forget the timing of this thing, right? So the timing, you know, they don't, Alabama doesn't have a, uh, really an opportunity to go after players in the transfer portal. They're just going to lose players because of the way the transfer portal rules work, right? Alabama, the transfer portal has closed except for players where a coach has left. So Nick Saban left right before the transfer portal window closed. Alabama is now going to lose all these players and have they have no way of restocking. So that's another disadvantage here. And so they're Kalen DeBoer is starting with one hand tied behind his back. It's a bummer because I think Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. And yet he is going to have to face off with, I think, the team that has become the death ball, the death star type program, which is Georgia. They're not going anywhere. Their talent, you know, all that. That's going to be a really tough uphill climb where if you look at, again, looking at Washington, I think Oregon's going to be a problem, but they're losing a lot. Like as, as much as they have people coming in, they have a lot of people coming out, right? Good chunk of their, their defense, good chunk of their offense, all, all leaving. So they have a couple of offensive linemen coming back, a couple receivers, but a, a big core of their team offensively and defensively are leaving right? USC losing a lot, right? Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, we're not sure what he's doing, but a massive group leaving from Michigan. So really, like, I think Oregon concerns you. I think Ohio State concerns you. But Ryan Day is not Kirby Smart as of yet. Like, he has not accomplished what Kirby Smart has done. And so while from a roster perspective, I think you can make an argument that Ohio state is, is building a championship level team by bringing everybody back. It's not nearly the same challenge, at least at this point that Georgia is for Alabama and for the rest of the sec. And, and not only that, you have Texas who's bringing back Quinn Ewers. Sark is, is building something good there. So it's a tough, it's tough to tell. Um, I, I don't think Washington is a better program than Alabama, but I would have liked Kalen DeBoer's chances at Washington better for the next three to five years because of where he's starting at Alabama rather than where he'd be continuing to build at Washington. I also think, and I'll, I'll continue to say this until we are in the we are out of the conference world and what i mean by that is at some point i believe the conferences will kind of stop being independent of each other and will go to a more commissioner led model similar to the pros i just think it's it has to go there eventually but until that point i would argue that washington is in the better infrastructure like as, as good as the SEC is, I think from, from a financial perspective, an academic perspective, uh, you know, all those things, I think Washington is in the superior conference when it comes to those things. And I think we're seeing the dividends, right? Michigan just won a national championship. Washington was just in the national championship game. Part of that is that the resources 
are much more in favor right now of the Big Ten, even though the SEC has a fat contract. I'm not saying that they, I'm not saying the SEC doesn't have money. I'm saying the Big Ten has positioned itself very well from an infrastructure perspective. So I think there are a lot of hidden advantages that could have really benefited benefited Kalen DeBoer if he had stayed at Washington rather than gone to Alabama. And honestly, I think that's why Dan Lanning did not leave Oregon. Because even though there's a lot of turnover on that roster, I would argue Oregon's the better job. Because Oregon has the backing of Nike, which they will keep Oregon funded for a long time. Like, I think that's why Oregon might be the biggest threat in the Big Ten to Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Not just because the 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 infrastructure that Dan Lanning's building, but because they have the backing. That's just the reality of where we're at in college football right now. So I think Oregon, and I think that's why Dan Lanning didn't leave. Like, he sees what he's building, and he sees that in the next five to ten years, I think you can make a real case that unless if Kalen DeBoer knocks out of the park, which I don't think is out of the question, I think we're sitting here in five to 10 years and we're, we're looking at Alabama as maybe a top 20, top 15 team, and maybe a every once in a while playoff contender, championship contender, and maybe Oregon being a, a, a mainstay. I think that's that's very much in in contention here. Now, before, before I close up, I do want to talk about who Washington hired. Washington hired a guy by the name of Jed Fish. He's the the Arizona head coach, excuse me. And there's a few things that bother me about this hire. I'm not bothered that Washington got Jed Fish. I don't think it's an A plus hire. Like, I, I think he's got some experience. I don't think it's an A-plus hire. I don't think it's a bad hire, per se. I just don't think it's an I don't think it's an A. But I the, the two problems I have with it, one, and again, it's going back to some of the roster stuff, because Kalen DeBoer left, you have a reality that you are losing a lot of your roster, more than you would have if Kalen DeBoer stayed. Are we sure that Jed Fish is leaving for a better job? Now, now, granted, Washington is a better job than Arizona overall. Like, I don't know if Arizona would, people would ever think Arizona is a perennial national championship contender. Arizona is in the, is in the new look Big 12, which is not nearly as stable of a conference as the Big 10. So from just from those those two facts alone, Washington easily, easily is a better job. So this is this is Jed Fish taking the more stable job and the more the, the more attractive vision long term for sure. Arizona finished 10 and three this year. They finished on a hot streak. And now he's going to go to a, to a depleted Washington roster. If he doesn't do well in the next two to three years, which is very possible, 
because of who you now have to face in the new look Big Ten, it, it almost could blow up your entire coaching career. Now, by blow up, I don't mean like he'll never coach again, but you're talking about you fail at Washington, you're probably going back to a group of five school or you're going to be a, a coordinator again, which may not be the worst thing in the world, but it, it would it may not be the right timing for someone like Jed Fish. Here's maybe my my bigger concern. And this is why I I don't like the hire as much as maybe others do. Reportedly after he, reportedly he told Arizona he was not going to interview for the job. And an hour later he interviewed and accepted the job. And then you know, he, he put out this very nice graphic thanking everybody at Arizona. He had a three-minute meeting with his players to tell them he was leaving for the Washington job. And I have a lot of issue with that. Listen, I know that coaches climb the ladder, and that's why I'm okay with the transfer portal being the way it is, letting players leave. If coaches are going to leave for, you know, to chase a paycheck and to chase prestige, then I can understand why we let players do it. Right? But you're still called to be a coach. And the reality is the best coaches, they they don't just chase the money and they don't just chase the championships. They love their players. They care about their players. And I'm not going to question the character of Jed. Um, I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, he's, he, you know, he doesn't love anybody. Um, I don't know that. I don't know the intentions of his heart. I don't know his heart. What I do know is that if I were in that locker room as a player who gave, you know, the past two, three years, uh, you know, gave him, my my body, my strength, my time, all those things. And he walked in after a great season and gave me a three-minute explanation that he was gone and then just bolted. I would not feel loved. I would not feel supported. I would not feel appreciated. I would feel like I just got let down by a person who was supposed to be a mentor person who's supposed to coach me up and teach me about life. What he just taught me about life is, well, when the better opportunity comes, bye. As, it's part of what I hate about this new world, but also it, it's also the thing that concerns me about the way that some coaches come across. Now, he may just not be a good people person, and he might just be a brilliant mind. And sometimes a brilliant mind gets you really far in the coaching industry, particularly as a coordinator or maybe at a lower level school. But if you don't know how to love your people, if you don't know how to be a good coach, like a good people coach, like you might have one good year, but like, what are you going to do when you get to Washington and they're 
coming off a national champion or na- national championship berth, and they go five and seven next year. I'm not saying they will, but like, what do you do? How can those players know that you're in it for the long haul? Right. He, he uh, was interviewed by Athlon Sports and or at least there was an article in Athlon where he said that Washington presented a vision for him to be a championship caliber team year in and year out. Listen, that's great. If we look at the history of Washington, at one point, have they been a perennial championship contender? Like, I mean, their last national championship was in 90. In the Pac-12, which has been a weaker conference overall, they've, they've had a couple of good years in the past 20. But like this is not this is not a slam dunk move by any means. I, I know I'm probably shooting my own Alabama Washington argument in the foot right now, but like my point is, Jed, Jed Fish is not necessarily going is not necessarily going to achieve championship results with the roster he inherited. Is he going to be able to captivate? a locker room, show them that he cares about them, show them that he's, he can build a, a roster in the right way that, you know, when they, the going gets tough, that he's going to be for his guys. Like I have real questions about that. Now, maybe he does because he did it, you know, he did do well at Arizona and they had a lot of losing, you know, they, they have a losing history at least over the past several years. But I just, I don't like how he left it at Arizona. And that that raises question marks for me as he enters, quite honestly, a much tougher conference, a depleted roster, and just, yeah, that that's it. Depleted roster and a tougher conference. So... Is Washington a better, let's come full circle. Is Washington a better job than Alabama? No, it's not. But I think Kalen DeBoer could have made it uh, a better job for for the next 10 years. And I think the fact that Jed Fish has come into Washington, I think really leaves it up in the air. I I will say this. I think Kalen DeBoer will do much better at Alabama than Jed Fish will do at Washington which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to Washington coming into the big 10. Uh, Fish could prove me wrong. You know, I've, I've been wrong on so many coaching, you know, coaching carousel things before. Um, But there's something to be said about a coach who loves his players. And, you know, Kalen DeBoer, one thing that he did that I give him a lot of credit for, you know, the, I think the way he left, uh, I think he was, it was sad, but well-received uh, in the way that he told his players, the way he left. And when he got to Alabama, even though there's a lot of transfers, he he had a players only meeting is says, Hey, give me a chance. Like, I know I'm not coach Saban, but give me a chance. And he's working in tandem with Nick. So I have a lot of respect for that type of shepherding, that type of coaching versus I think what Jed Fish has done. So again, that's not to make a judgment on Jed. I'm 
I'm critiquing what has happened. Jed might be a great shepherd and a great, you know, he might really love his players. And we might see that on the field uh, translate into, into the way that they care about each other on the field. But I really hate how he left the, his former situation. And I loved how Kalen, I, I didn't love how Kalen left it, but I appreciated how Kalen left. So that'll do it for this episode of the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Again, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. YouTube, like, subscribe, leave comments. Send me emails at BigTenFootballTag at gmail.com. I will respond to you. I will uh, give you shout outs on this show. And a, a request from all of you, if you know of other podcasters who are looking to collaborate, my, my goal right now is to get different podcast hosts from different, all 18 different teams in the Big Ten so that we can have a, a myriad of voices to hear and, and give insight and information on every team in the Big Ten, and so Monday we're gonna we're gonna have uh, Justin on uh, to talk the Huskers. Really pumped to have him on the show, um, and we're gonna have more and more guests hopefully as well. Um, love you all. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. God bless.